Welcome back to Podcast 86 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Shot Quality Bets. If you're sick of using the same thing the market uses the cap, please visit Shot Quality. Use the promo code ODDS23, terms, conditions, and location. Apply. If you'd like to support the Odds Breakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit the Odds Breakers, click shop and become a member. Pick any of our handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on Patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Odds Breakers and become a free picks and telegram newsletter subscriber. And I got to tell you, I'd be pretty shocked if you are not following our NFL plays on telegram. Another three and O week for myself i'm just very very dialed into the nfl the last few years it is has it has become my top two sports probably with college basketball college football has uh definitely taken a step back i'm having a bad year in college football but uh really happy about our nfl as far as my nfl package it's probably better to do the monthly at 150 per month if you want to become a member to get the rest of my NFL plays. Or you can do a year for less than $100 a month to become an Odds Breakers member and get my plays for all sports uh, before the line moves. I'm coming off a nice winner on the Wisconsin under yesterday. Still shocked that this team isn't ranked, but obviously it's early and it's just uh, more for show. But uh, really enjoying college basketball so far this season. But this show is going to be a great show because we have a great guest for you today in Justin Perry from Shot Quality Bets. He's going to talk about the website and how it's used. And we also are going to talk possibly about a few games coming up for Thursday night. Can't wait to get into that. But even more, I prepared a college football bowl motivation and home field advantage podcast for you so you can start thinking about which way you want to start betting these college football bowl games. So basically, motivation is probably the number one thing coming in to your handicap for college bowls. It trumps power. It trumps uh, location. It trumps coaching even sometimes. I mean, sometimes it has to do with coaching. But to be honest with you, you can almost throw away uh, a lot of the stuff that you learned about a team earlier in the season when it comes to these bowl games because how much these teams care is a huge factor into your success in beating the spreads that the market essentially comes up with. I myself bet some bowl games early, and it's going to give me some options. I actually tweeted it out. Uh, probably 24 hours or so ago, 
about the bowl games, I bet. we The number one was obviously the biggest move, and it was <laughs> I could not believe it was 51.5. Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, no starting quarterbacks on either side. Wisconsin's backup is even out. <laughs> you know, it was 51 and a half. It's now down to 43 and a half. We, we took Fresno at plus four. I'm like, how you not still see that Fresno is a very, very good team plays Washington State? Well, now they're minus one and a half. Oklahoma plus seven and a half now, eh, kind of like 7.2 ish. They are uh, seven, seven juiced to minus 120. Well, Florida State's seven juiced at minus 120 uh, in a lot of books. Eastern Michigan plus four and a half down to three and a half now. Bowling Green pick to minus 2.75 ish. Illinois plus one now is about the same, plus one and a half to plus one. And uh, Utah Penn State over 49 to over 51.5. I knew that Penn State was going to have some secondary that was going to be holding out for the NFL draft. I think, I believe Joey Porter has already done that. So that's what premium subscribers benefit from uh, these lines when they come out i find the you know ones that should move in our direction and i usually have to like it as well um, unless i'm just completely setting up a middle but uh that's how you're successful long term getting all that closing line value and plus this gives you options like maybe wisconsin's total gets down to maybe it's 41 uh, i have to recheck my number and maybe i do buy back half or full you know, that's how sports betting is successful these days. It's not just buying a stale lines and stale plays. It's also getting ahead of the line moves, finding as much value as you can. Part of the reason that I've been so successful in college basketball as well as the NFL. I'm also going to get into NFL Week 14 slate of games. Obviously, there's six teams on by, which is insane. But I have found some value and I have some more free plays for you to try to get ahead of any more market moves that could happen throughout the rest of the week. At the end of the show, I'm going to touch on a little UFC 282. I just started looking at the card. I have a couple uh, thoughts and a couple plays that I want to give out to you uh, before we go for this weekend as you know we have college basketball this weekend but we only really have the army navy game that that i'm actually going to get into right now so college football army navy this is a wonderful game and it's a fast game and when i want to say fast i don't mean they play fast i mean the time goes extremely fast in this game um, that's why you have such a low total of 32.5. Both are option teams, but this is a big game for both schools. Okay. Navy is favored by 1.5. Um, they were dogs by uh, 1.5, I believe, when the market opened, but now they are favored by 1.5. Here's the deal you have to look at Navy in their full body work. When I talk about option teams the biggest thing that comes to fruition is that these teams start out very slowly when it comes to their season and uh, it just takes a while to gel in the triple option army lost to coastal carolina 28 to 38 they lost to texas san antonio 41 to 38 
They beat Villanova, but then they lost to Georgia State of all teams, 31 to 14, 45 to 10, you know, to Wake Forest. It's just a lot of getting ready. Then they play a bad team in Colgate, and then they rip off a few wins, right? Um, Louisiana Monroe, 48 to 24, lost to Air Force, 13 to 7. Troy was actually a very close game. It was just a bad game for Troy, I thought. But then they beat UConn 34-17 and UMass 44-7. I mean, Troy was the best team that they played. Probably Troy and UTSA. So I do give them credit for that. But Navy also starting out slow, losing to Delaware 14-7. Then Memphis 37-13. Then they start ripping off a few wins. They beat East Carolina 23-20. Lost to Air Force only by three points. Beat Tulsa 53-21. Lost to SMU, lost to Houston, um, beat Temple twenty-seven to twenty, lost to Cincinnati only by ten points, twenty to ten. Then they only lose to Notre Dame thirty-five to thirty-two. They had a big comeback in that game, though, so I will say that. Then they beat Central Florida seventeen to fourteen. Before Central Florida goes into the uh, American Athletic Conference Championship, the difference with Navy is that their schedule. Not quite as top-heavy as Army with UTSA and Troy, but I guess Notre Dame and UCF, you could say. But I think overall, Navy's schedule was a bit better. You can pretty much throw out the passing in this whole game. Now, both teams might have some gadgety passes just because it's such a big game. You might see some tri- some trickery. These teams will be expecting it. So keep that in mind. Um, Navy... Army looks like the much better rushing team at 5.58 yards per rush, but they give up 5.12 yards per rush. So when Army's like running against Colgate and Villanova and, you know, Georgia State, even though they lost, UConn, UMass, I'm really not giving a care uh, that they are averaging 5.58. What I care about is them allowing 5.12. Navy, on the other hand, only allows 3.07 rushing yards, and that's where the true handicap comes in to this Army-Navy game. Um, If you look at the rushing success rate for Army, um, it's definitely good. It always is good. They rank 21st at 48.97% rushing success rate. I'm going to pull up Navy's. Definitely less, 40.8 at rushing success rate in a harder division. But their defense rushing success rate, 14th at 36%, while Army is at 125th, allowing 51.15 success rate. Now, the reason these totals are so low, and it's 32.5, so it's (laughs) very low, is because obviously the triple option runs a lot of clock. These teams are slowest in tempo, 128th for Army, 124th for Navy. But um, these teams know how to defend the option. But which team are you going to trust defending the option? The one that has a 14th rushing play success rate on defense or the one that has 125th? Army is a lot softer than they used to be, in my opinion. I like Todd Munkin, but I think this Army team is just not where it's at. Um (laughs) And then when you look at the way Navy's gotten beat bad this year, it's always been against the pass. 110th in opponent passing success rate. Uh, Army at 108th. Well, who cares 
about the pass. You know, these teams really don't pass much. You will see some gadgety plays. Navy won it last year. I think that Navy is truly the better team. Another thing about the total, the under is hitting in 16 straight years. I mean, that's absolutely insane. But you have to understand most of the years, the over was still too high in the 40s. I think even some, some of them were in the 50s. And then it finally found its way to a comfortable spot at 32.5. Well, according to Kyle Hunter, I heard him on another show mentioning that nine of Army's and Navy's totals would have went over 32.5 of the last 16 years. So I am not exactly rushing to bet the under. As a matter of fact, I have a lean to the over. But I think that Navy is live right here. They are at minus 125 on the money line. I think that's the way you go. Don't mess around with the spread here, laying a point and a half or anything. This could be a one-point game. I think Navy gets the win. Um, these teams might try for some two-point conversions. Uh, take the money line on Navy at minus 125 for two stars. And I might throw some pizza money on the over just so I can uh, try to buck that whole trend that's been going for 16 total years. All right, let's move on to college football 2022-2023, both schedules, odds, home field advantage, and potential motivation. And when I say potential motivation, these are all subject to change. I'm going to try to update this article that I'm going to put out probably on Friday. It's going to hit the board and uh, check it out at the oddsbreakers.com uh, as odds change and as um, motivation changes, meaning I get an understanding on what's really happening. Uh, maybe a coach leaves, a surprising coach leaves or something. I'm going to uh, update this. But this is an ongoing process and kind of like a living organism in itself because uh, it, none of these things are perfect. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of situations where I might like something one time and then I might not like them later. And I try to get a buyback if that's the case for less, the same, or even more depending upon the situation. So starting out, with Friday, December 16th, it's the Bahamas Bowl. Miami versus UAB, minus 10, total 44. UAB's motivation, I have to say medium high. This team does show up for bowl games, and now they have a new coach in Trent Dilfer to try and impress. So I'm going with the motivation being medium high. So it goes from high, medium high, uh, medium to medium low and low. Miami, Ohio, I'm going to say medium high. Uh, this team usually shows up to bowls, but it really took a lot for them to get bowl eligible. This could be one of those situations like North Texas when they ripped off five wins in a row um, uncharacteristically last year and then all of a sudden uh, got beat bad in their bowl game. But I'm still going to say that their uh, motivation, just watching Miami, Ohio in the past, is probably pretty high. This bowl in the Bahamas, so 11.30 p.m. Eastern, a night game, uh, nothing for home field. It's actually probably a pretty good place for the kids to have a little bit of fun, so keep that in mind. The Cure Bowl, Troy versus UTSA. UTSA plus one, total is 54. This is located um, in Orlando, Florida, 
I believe it's also on Friday the 16th. And Troy's motivation should be medium-low. They won their conference and still should be partying. And I'm going to say the same thing for UTSA. Their motivation should also be medium-low. They won their conference again, and they're probably out Christmas shopping. So I'm going to go with uh, the same motivation on this one. Both teams right now, medium-low. That doesn't really factor in to uh, the spread, in my opinion. I think it's a pretty good spread. I probably know that the Sun Belt is better than Conference USA, but UTSA has been fantastic. So not big, no big disagreement for me. No home field advantage. Saturday, December 17th, the Fenway Bowl. Cincinnati versus Louisville. Louisville minus two. The total is 45. This is obviously in Fenway Park, Boston, Massachusetts. Cincinnati's motivation, medium low. Coach Fickle, being gone, puts them in a slight pickle. Louisville, their motivation should be high, very high. Coach Satterfield left for Cincinnati, which makes this an extremely interesting bowl game. It's probably going to put a fire under the asses, but without Malik Cunningham, we're not sure if he's playing. Um, That makes me wonder uh, if even their motivation could take them over the top, and this is why Louisville's only a minus two-point favorite uh, rather than pick them. You know, it, it it's a tough handicap because Cincinnati is probably a better team in general without Louisville having Cunningham. Just wanted to throw that out there. The Celebration Bowl, Jackson State versus NC Central, FCS time. NC Central plus 16.5, total is 56. Jackson State's motivation, medium low. They lost prom, baby. Prom time has left for the mountains in Colorado. So um, that is an uh, interesting handicap. And um, I, I just can't see the kids getting up. And they're probably going to lose some of those recruits here going to Colorado, which really screws them over. Uh, probably the opposite of all the stuff that Dion said. But anyways, NC Central's motivation is going to be extremely high. Let's beat Prime's team is what they are thinking. Now, I got to tell you, I don't have a problem with Deion Sanders lose, moving on. This is a business. Um, <laughs> it, it's it, You can get fired after one or two years of college football. We all know that. So why should you have loyalty when you've already bring the program as high as you possibly could? So I think that Coach Prime is uh, very motivated to uh, move up in the ranks and be a great coach and is higher of Kent State's head coach, Sean Lewis, to be the offensive coordinator there was absolutely amazing. Sean Lewis, a former Badger, uh, actually completely turned that Kent State program around and made their offense extremely exciting. So great for uh, great hire for Dion right there. And I really think it was time for him to move into big time football. Get busy living or get busy dying. That's goddamn right.
the New Mexico Bowl. BYU versus SMU. SMU minus 1.5, total 71. BYU motivation, I'm going to say medium. It's not a great bowl for them going to New Mexico, but they're probably like, what the hell? Let's beat SMU. Uh, It's just hard to gauge. SMU, same thing. Um, Probably medium high, though. I actually put them as medium high because they can end the season on a high note here. Um, And BYU is still a pretty good name to beat. Uh, No home field advantage here coming from Texas and coming from Idaho, uh, in my opinion. This is played in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The L.A. Bowl, Fresno State versus Washington State. Washington State plus one and a half, total 54.5 at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. Fresno's motivation, medium high. They get to beat a power five. Sure, medium high, absolutely. Why not, right? And uh, Washington State's motivation, medium. It's a good matchup for them, but um, probably happy to make a bowl. They had a great season, but it's not like they're going to get that rewarded for beating Fresno State. Um, the home field, small edge to Fresno. It's 220 miles away, but Wazoo will definitely travel. So keep that in mind that Washington State fans uh, are pretty into supporting their team, which is an awesome thing. The Lending Tree Bowl, Southern Miss versus Rice. Rice plus seven, total 46.5. Southern Miss's motivation should be high. This is played at uh, Mobile, Alabama, by the way, in Hancock-Whitney Stadium. They're, they're, they wanted to get into a bowl this year, so I, I'm liking that. Um, Rice's motivation is also high. They wanted to get to a bowl this year, and they were only 5-7, and seven, the only 5-7 and seven team to make it. It's interesting, and uh, I think because of that, they're going to want to prove their worth. These teams these teams used to be rivals a while back. Uh, home field uh, is probably Southern Miss here, being that they are only 97 miles away. So uh, there's been some movement in the line because of that, but um, just keep that in mind that Southern Miss will have more fans in probably. Las Vegas Bowl, Florida versus Oregon State. Oregon State minus 10.5, total 52, played at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Florida's motivation is low. <laughs> Anthony Richardson won't play in the bowl game, right? So, uh, yeah, th- their motivation is low. Uh, I- I'm thinking they're going to get some more opt-outs as well. Oregon State's motivation is high. They get to play in Las Vegas against an SEC team. That's like having an 11 against a 6. Heck yeah, and may I please double down the Frisco Bowl. Boise State versus North Texas. North Texas plus 10.5, total 57. This is played in Frisco, Texas. Boise State's motivation, medium high. It's not a power five, but in a young quarterback like Green, I think the team should be excited around him. And North Texas, their motivation will be high. They're going to want to beat Boise here and... Their home field, huge for North Texas, going, going just across the city to play this game in Frisco, Texas. Uh, it's always like this for them in this bowl game. So, yes, uh, North Texas gets a home field advantage. But I'll tell you this, um, even with a home field advantage, is it enough at plus 10.5? That's up for you to decide on that. Monday, December 19th, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, UConn versus Marshall. Marshall minus 10.5, total 40.5 in Conway, South Carolina, Brooks Stadium. UConn's motivation is medium. They finally get to a bowl, but it's fun to party in Myrtle Beach. 
Uh, Marshall, same thing. Medium low, though. I'm going to say a bad opponent for Marshall in UConn. And uh, they might go out and party a little bit the night before in this situation. I gotta go cause I got me a drop top and if I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. My friends, now it's time for the worst bowl in history on December 20th. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl between San Jose State and Eastern Michigan plus 3.5. Total 54. Last week, Japanese scientists placed explosive detonators at the bottom of Lake Loch Ness to blow Nessie out of the water. San Jose's motivation, low. They go to Boise all the time and probably was robbed or at least assaulted while they were there. Eastern Michigan's motivation, Medium low. These kids totally got screwed. I mean, you can imagine what they are thinking of the committee after this one. Idiot. You know, these kids probably wanted something fun like a Myrtle Beach Bowl or Bahamas or something like that. But they have to go to Boise, Idaho. You know, now they might go out drinking and party just to try to block out the fact that they are in Boise, Idaho. I'm sure that they wish they could go back and start this season completely all over again so that they could do better and not be put into this terrible position. Kills. I reckon you know a lot about cyberspace. You ever come across anything like time travel? The Boca Raton Bowl, Toledo versus Liberty. Liberty plus four and a half, total 54 in Boca Raton, Florida. Toledo's motivation, medium low. They won the MAC, and now it's time to party in Boca Raton. Liberty, motivation, medium. This team lost their coach, and they do at least get to uh, get a very good coach coming in in Chadwell. So I will give them the edge in motivation. There should not be a home field advantage here for either team. Wednesday, December 21st, the New Orleans Bowl, South Alabama versus Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky plus 7.5, total 55. South Alabama's motivation, high. They haven't went bowling in a while. I think they're going to play well. Western Kentucky's motivation, medium. Decent matchup on a disappointing season. They expect There's more expected out of them. Uh, in Conference USA. Home field, South Alabama. Some at 260 miles away. Maybe like two points or something in this situation because this is at the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. Thursday, December 22nd, the Armed Forces Bowl. Air Force versus Baylor. Baylor, Baylor minus 6.5, total 49.5. Air Force's motivation's high. They get to play a power five, baby. Baylor's motivation, medium. Good coach in Aranda should get this team up. Um, home field Baylor is only 108 miles away from Fort Worth, Texas at Amon G. Carter Stadium. So there you go. Friday, December 23rd, the Gasparilla Bowl, Missouri versus Wake Forest. Wake Forest minus two total 63. Wake Forest's motivation is medium. They probably wanted bigger and better things, but they at least they get to go on vacation. Uh, Missouri's motivation, medium high. This team accomplished a lot last year compared to, uh, 
uh, other expectations. So um, I think they're going to be pretty motivated in this game in Tampa, Florida. Independence Bowl, Houston versus Louisiana, plus six and a half, total 60.5. And this is in Independence Stadium in Shreveport, Louisiana. Houston's motivation is just medium, not the season that they hope for. They are preseason top one or two in the American Athletic Conference. Louisiana's motivation is medium high. They get to step up in class. They're going to try to win this game. Home field, none, because believe it or not, same distance for both schools, about 250 miles away. The Hawaii Bowl, Middle Tennessee State versus San Diego State, minus six and a half, total 60.5. This is your Christmas Eve Bowl, guys, on Saturday, December 24th. Middle Tennessee State's motivation is low. I think they are just going to have some fun in Hawaii, and why would you not? Uh, I don't see a ton of motivation here for them. And San Diego State's motivation is medium high. They go to Hawaii often enough and will look to do business in this situation home field is a slight edge to san diego state due to the proximity to well the easy flight from san diego to honolulu (laughs) when i say easy i mean like five hours but still (laughs) monday december 26 the quick lane bowl new mexico versus bowling green bowling green minus two total 47.5 new mexico state's motivation is medium high this team hasn't went bowling in a long time and bowling green's motivation is probably medium they made a bowl uh by shopping at wish but all they got in return was detroit michigan (laughs) so it kind of sucks for the kids there and uh they they, they, it's just like 83 miles away so at least they get the home field but i I like bowling green the fact that they're going to have the home field they should be somewhat motivated that's why i said medium but certainly not a reward in this situation uh for these kids so if you're from africa why are you white oh my god karen you can't just ask people why they're white tuesday december 27th the first responder bowl utah state versus memphis memphis minus seven total is 62 utah state's motivation is medium not a bad place to go and get away in dallas texas it's not perfect but not that bad. Memphis's motivation is also medium. Medium season with medium bowl game. This whole situation says medium to me in this bowl game. The Birmingham Bowl, East Carolina versus Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina nine and a half, plus nine and a half. That is total fifty nine point five. Played in Birmingham, Alabama. East Carolina motivation high. They get to beat up the talk of the town. Imagine just hearing about Coastal Carolina. While you're a pretty good American Athletic Conference team, I am going to uh, think their motivation is pretty dang high here. Coastal Carolina's motivation motivation low. They lost their coach and most likely the quarterback, Grayson McCall, for this game. So uh, situation here isn't good, but there is really no home field advantage in my opinion because, uh, you know, both these schools aren't terribly far from each other. And they're both going to uh, Birmingham, Alabama. The Camellia Bowl. Georgia Southern versus Buffalo. Buffalo plus three and a half. Total 67. This game is in Montgomery, Alabama. Georgia Southern's motivation is medium high. They haven't played a bowl game in a while. And Buffalo's motivation is just medium. Hard to gauge this team who blew their chances to get to the MAC title a few weeks ago. Home field is a slight lean to Georgia Southern being only 300 miles away. 
you know, it's, it could be worth a drive for some of those people that are uh, alumni there. So not, I give them a point, point and a half maybe for a home field advantage. The guaranteed rate bowl, Wisconsin versus Oklahoma State plus three. Total is 43.5, location Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. Wisconsin's motivation is medium low. <laughs> New coaching, lots of transfers, and no quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to say medium low. Oklahoma State's motivation is probably medium high. I know they lost their quarterback and Spencer Sanders. Um, he's not playing, but why not try to beat the Big Ten? You know, um, just lots of questions in this whole situation here. Probably going to see some ugly play on both sides of the ball. Wednesday, December 28th, the Military Bowl. Duke versus UCF at Pickham. Total 62.5. Duke's motivation is medium. Making a bowl game was impressive for Mike Elko, I got to say. Um, UCF's motivation, probably medium low. Um, maybe if this was basketball, it would be higher. But this bowl game's played in Annapolis, Maryland. Not the greatest location for these kids to go to. I would say a slight edge for home field advantage to Duke, 300 miles away. Liberty Bowl, Arkansas versus Kansas. Kansas plus four, total 59. Kansas motivation's high. SEC team, I'll have seconds of that. And finally, uh, made a bowl game after many, many years. Got I don't even know when Kansas made their last bowl game. Arkansas, motivation medium. I don't like the Hogs much here, but they had really higher aspirations. Um, I certainly would not bet the under. And I, I haven't heard much about KJ Jefferson yet if he is uh, playing. I, I'm going to switch this to medium low. Uh, this is more medium low for me. This is no home field either being in Memphis. So uh, maybe I, I would say both teams are far enough away. So we will say no home field, medium low for Arkansas and me, and definitely high for Kansas. The Holiday Bowl, Oregon versus North Carolina. North Carolina plus 11, total 72. Oregon's motivation is probably medium low. I feel this team wanted something better this year. But, uh, you know, I, I can't go low because it's still a new coach and, you know, probably going to want to win this game. Don't know about Bo Nix. North Carolina's motivation is medium. This team choked their last four games, but that doesn't mean that they don't finally wake up here. This total feels a little bit high for a bowl game, even though you think it might be a shootout. This Oregon team could be toast without their quarterback if he sits out. Actually, I just missed this. Bo Nix is playing in the uh, bowl game. So, uh, yeah, total probably should be where it's at. Next game, we have the Texas Tech versus Ole Miss in the... Texas Bowl, sorry about that. <laughs> Ole Miss minus four, total 69.5. Texas Tech's motivation is high. They get, to, they get an SEC team that plays fast like them. New coach this year, so they'll want to impress, even though it's not that much of a reward to go to Houston. Ole Miss, motivation, medium. Lane Kiffin, uh, still there, which is nice for them. Um, the home field is none because, to be honest with you, Ole Miss is not that far from Houston. And Texas Tech and Lubbock 
all the way across Texas. You know, it's like 600 miles away, so there's no home field advantage in this situation. Thursday, December 29th, the Pinstripe Bowl, Minnesota versus Syracuse. Syracuse plus seven and a half, total 42. Minnesota's motivation is medium high. Why not play in the Big Apple? Yet uh, they really screwed their chances for the Big Ten championship uh, opportunity. They did get a lot of injuries this year. Still questions on their quarterback, Tanner Morgan. Syracuse uh, motivation's high. Chance to beat a Big Ten team. So, you know, pretty high motivation for these teams. Uh, home field, Syracuse for sure. They're in New York. Now, Minnesota go for fans will travel. But two points for Syracuse here. There's a lot of Syracuse people that live in the Bronx, right? So played at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Cheez-It Bowl, Florida State versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma minus seven, total 65. This is at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. Florida State's motivation is medium. I think they could have done much better this year, and they know it. Um, we'll see who's sitting out for this game. They have a lot of high star recruits that might go to the NFL. Oklahoma motivation is medium high. Pending holdouts. I think they rally around Brett Venables here. So gonna gonna give a slight edge to motivation for Oklahoma. Home field is Florida State, but not as much because Oklahoma travels well. And uh it's 250 miles from Tallahassee, so maybe a point and a half or so, or a point even for uh old Florida State in this situation. The Alamo Bowl, Washington versus Texas, Texas minus six, total sixty-eight. Washington's motivation's high. They're gonna want to beat a big 12 team like Texas. Texas motivations medium high. I mean, they get a good program. It's in state. Uh, they they're building around Ewers. The home field is for Texas, only a few hours away from San Antonio. So uh, that's gonna affect things, and I already affected the spread going from four to six anyway. Friday, December 30th, the Orange Bowl, Tennessee versus Clemson. Clemson minus seven, total 64. The motivation is medium high for Clemson. Uh, Dabble's a great coach, and they might have new life with their young quarterback in Cade Klubnick, so I think they rally around him this game, even though they didn't make the playoffs. I I disagree with a lot of people. I think, think their motivation is going to be medium high. Tennessee's motivation is just medium. They still get to play Clemson even after the rough losses to South Carolina and the lost and how they lost uh, Hendon Hooker took that took them out of the playoffs. But uh, I, they already showed versus Vanderbilt that it didn't affect him as much. So I'm going to say medium. Home field, none. Not in Miami. Duke's Mayo Bowl, NC State versus Maryland. Maryland minus one, total 48. Maryland motivation is medium. They should want to give it a go here. NC State's motivation, medium low. Why not give it a go being so close to home in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, but they were not rewarded that much at the same time. <sighs> you know, I, I I think the kids expected more this year. So that's my issue with that part of the motivation. The home field, NC State, is only 165 miles away from Charlotte, North Carolina. So home field a little bit for NC State. Sun Bowl, Pitt versus UCLA. UCLA minus seven, total 58. And this is played at El Paso, Texas. Pitt's motivations medium. Caden Slovis entered the transfer portal, but Nate Yarnell looked pretty good. So there you go. Uh, UCLA's motivations just medium. Last chance to show off for the NFL for Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Um, no home field here. I mean, you can say UCLA already lives in paradise, but 
probably happy to get out of there a little bit. Uh, El Paso is not exactly the destination I would choose myself. Gator Bowl, South Carolina versus North Notre Dame. Notre Dame minus three, total 52. South Carolina, medium high motivation. Bad start to the season, yet made a bowl game, which is huge. Notre Dame's motivation, medium low. Their quarterback, Drew Pine, is transferring, and Notre Dame wanted something bigger, in my opinion. No home field advantage, being that it is in Jackson, Florida, or Jacksonville, Florida. Arizona Bowl, Ohio versus Wyoming. Wyoming plus one, total 43. Ohio's motivation is medium high. Tucson isn't much different than Tombstone, Arizona, but at least it's warmer. <laughs> and Wyoming's motivation is medium. Not sure what these kids are going to want to do against a Mac school. Maybe they'll actually get up for this challenge. So who knows? I'm your huckleberry. So the home field, really none. But uh, I still feel that um, the motivation's probably a little bit more hard to predict in this situation. I've not yet begun to defile myself. Saturday, December 31st, the Music City Bowl, Iowa versus Kentucky. Kentucky minus two and a half, total 31.5. Iowa's motivation's medium. Fun destination for these kids in Nash, Vegas. But the way that they play offense, I don't expect these kids to close the deal. Kentucky motivation, medium low. I don't think the Kentuckians like Tennessee at all. I might be wrong, but we'll see. Home field is Kentucky somewhat 212 miles away from Nashville, Tennessee. The Sugar Bowl, Alabama versus Kansas State. Kansas State plus three and a half, total 54.5. This is played in New Orleans, Louisiana. Kansas State's motivation is high. Playing Nick Saban in Alabama really says it all. But Alabama's motivation, medium. I mean, here's the thing. Don't count out Nick Saban here. Same thing happened in 2019 where they put a whooping on Michigan, right? So even though Alabama underwhelmed this year, did not deserve to get in the college football playoffs, I would not count them out in this situation with such a great coach like Nick Saban. Counting them out might be irresponsible, even though they were not the Alabama that we were used to this year. Hey, Cal Turd, you you are just, I don't even have a name for you anymore except Cal Turd. How dare you say that about Alabama? They lose the game. They lose the game, and they lost it to a good team. The team beat Alabama. But how can you say, after the dynasty took all these years, all these decades, one game is going to mean that Saban's dynasty is over. You're out of your freaking mind, Cal Turd. You need to go back to whatever the hell you was doing before you got on the radio. And how dare you call me out? You call me out, you're going to get me back. You hear me, you punk? How dare you? I don't understand the way you act towards... It's, it's Bama. That's what it is. It's Bama. You don't hate any team in this nation except for Bama. And you know why? Because they're better than what you've got. Nick Saban. 
Saban is a better man than you are. You could never coach because you don't have a bit of coaching in your body. You have nothing but to sit there and insult and damn and, and, and just carry on about everybody that's doing something different than you. You're jealous. That's the bottom line. You're jealous. And Bama's coming back. Bama has not lost. The dynasty is not over. Do you hear me, Countard? Bama's dynasty has just begun. Kiss my butt. Roll Tide. I will say that Alabama does get a home field advantage slight nod, being that it is located in New Orleans, which is about 288 miles away from Tuscaloosa. The Fiesta Bowl, college football semifinal number one, Michigan versus TCU. TCU plus eight right now. A little money came in on them. Total 59. I mean, the motivation's high for both teams, right? I mean, can't say anything about that. What I will say is that for home field, and this is being played in Glendale, Arizona, Michigan's got a much bigger uh, fan base and alumni base than TCU. TCU's undergrad is like, probably 5,000 to 10,000 over the past five to 10 years. Michigan's 30 or 40 at least, you know, so maybe bigger. So in my opinion, Michigan should have a slight home field advantage. But back when I went to the Rose Bowl in 2011, when J.J. Watt was on the Badgers, we lost to TCU, unfortunately, and that was a painful bus ride afterwards because Every Texas Longhorns fan flipped their hat to a TCU hat, which was massively annoying. I am not sure that you're not going to see that or some of that. So I would give Michigan maybe a half point to a point home field advantage here, but not by much. Um, this I could be wrong, and this could be a complete uh, even home field. The Peach Bowl, Georgia versus Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State's a dog here. It's weird seeing them a 6.5 dog in any game. Uh, the total 61. Both motivations extremely high. But here's the thing. You got to give the slight lean to Georgia uh, for a home field, being that this is in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. They've played there a ton of times. Um, Georgia fans will probably sneak in, but Ohio State has the biggest fan base in all of college football, so you got to factor that in. I guess it's just going to be a little bit of a fight. Who's got more money to buy the tickets, I guess? Um, it's closer to home, but I don't know. Uh, it, it's hard to gauge. Ohio State probably, they really got a second breath of life here thanks to the USC loss. I wonder if they take advantage of it, but man, this Georgia team, the whole talk about them is, are they going to let down in any of these games? Because they could literally beat anybody um, by as much as they want, at least uh, on their schedule this year. Monday, January 2nd, the ReliaQuest Bowl. That's a new name. Illinois versus Mississippi State. Mississippi State minus one, total 46.5. Mississippi State, motivation, I'm going to say medium. Um, it, Leach doesn't seem to care as much about bowls if you look at his ATS record. And Illinois is medium high. Illinois' first game, bowl game in a long time. Brett Bielema, let's just hope that he doesn't hit the sauce too hard that night in Tampa. <laughs> Maybe he's changed his ways. I don't know. But um, in my opinion, uh, Illinois should be more motivated getting to play an SEC team. There should be 
no home field advantage in this situation here. So uh, we'll see how much these kids care when it comes down to it in a nice place to travel like Tampa Bay. The Citrus Bowl, LSU versus Purdue. Purdue plus eight, total 58. LSU motivation, medium low. Lost their chances to get in the playoffs. And some kids will sit out. You know that. So I, I am not high on LSU here. Purdue's motivation is probably medium high. So here's the deal. Jeff Brom, lots of rumors. But they're going to try to beat an SEC team. And I think that... Uh, even if Jeff Brom goes, maybe he stays. I don't know. It's just an interesting line. It's an interesting situation. This is in Orlando, Florida. So no home field for either team, in my opinion. The Cotton Bowl Classic, USC versus Tulane. Tulane plus two, total 62. USC's motivation is low, very low. They blew their chances at the playoffs and Pac-12 title in one day. Kids are leaving right now. Williams is very questionable. Tulane's motivation, medium high. Keep them good feel, feelings going about beating uh, the uh, UCF and the American Athletic Championship. So I like Tulane's motivation. Home field is none, supposedly. But, you know, being at Arlington, Texas, I just feel that Tulane should... I mean, it's not that far of a, a travel to Arlington compared to USC. But I think USC's crowd doesn't travel as much. And I think that Tulane's, uh, even casual fans that go will be rooting for Tulane. So I'm going to have to give it to Tulane with a point or two for home field advantage in this game. The Rose Bowl, Utah versus Penn State. Penn State plus two and a half total, 51.5. Utah's motivation's high. It's the Rose Bowl. They're going to want to try to win it. They are kind of out of it already earlier this year and already felt that pain of missing the playoffs. So I think they're going to try to win the Rose Bowl and Penn State too. Penn State's loss started with Michigan and uh, their motivation should be high. It is the Rose Bowl. Neither team will have a home field advantage. Both teams should travel just fine to Pasadena, California. And the College Football National Championship in Inglewood, California, can't wait for that baby Monday January 9th, going to be a barn burner. So just got tweeted at from a journalist that I was talking to, former Badger actually, that has uh, motivation. His name's Reed Wallach, and he's a former uh, Badger just like I am. He works for Fansided. He just put it on an article for college football, coaches ATS records, and just fresh off the presses. Uh, we have it right now showing all their awesome numbers billy napier one and three in the bowls for example uh jeff tedford five and five uh jim mora is two and two you know what a great article i just retweeted it so check out my twitter at the oddsbreakers.com to check out this awesome article to help you cap bowl season all right now it's time for a little nfl week 14 games and a few more free plays hopefully some winners for you guys like i said before if you're not following on telegram i now have my own telegram channel that's new go ahead and scoop that up so you can get my free plays uh, from here on out let's start with the raiders versus the rams thursday night football rams plus six total 44.5 interesting number i think that the rams showed something on defense i'm not sure if they're gonna feel like showing it again though it was a division game at home 
um, against the Seahawks. And what they did is just tighten up in the red zone. The Seahawks should have won by a lot more than that. But you got guys like Wagner and Slayton yelling at each other, trying to hype this team up. Uh, you know, that's good for their paychecks because they're getting paid, you know, 20 times more than the average <laughs> LA Ram player. Uh, but you wonder how sustainable that is because at some point, you know, the rest of the team's not going to care. The Raiders are the most bipolar team in football. You don't know what you're going to get. Kind of like a box of chocolates almost. I know that they've been motivated the last two games, but that whenever they get motivated and you're like, man, these Raiders are rolling, you bet on them and they freaking lose to a guy, maybe like Walford. You know, so it's a pretty good line. Uh, mine's minus five. Um, I don't even tease this personally. I think there's just so many different outcomes. Being the total is 44 and a half, I think that's a tad bit too high. I, I would certainly lean to the under in this situation. Uh, obviously, unless the Rams completely crumble here, but um, this looks a little bit more, in my opinion, like an under play to me. So we're going to lean to the under, although my advanced stats, just because the Raiders are so bad, show the show a, a small lean to the over. I, it, it has 47 points, but you have to factor in that, that the Rams don't have Cup, Robinson, you know, their quarterback Stafford strongly into the under 44 and a half Jets versus Bills. Um, this is interesting because all last week, the Jets could not punch the ball in, you know, and it, the Vikings defense isn't good. And maybe their red zone's a little bit better than what they normally show, kind of like a bend don't break type style. But still, this is what happens when you have a, a backup quarterback come in. They just, when the defense tightens up, they can't throw the ball in those tight windows. I'm worried about that. I'm very worried about that. And that's why the spread's minus point, 9.5. I mean, my power ratings on this game have a different number. My power ratings have the Bills minus 11, you know. Um, but my algorithm has the Bills, and this is because the Bills had some woes lately, at around 6, right? Bills, road, chalk at 6. So, you know, you're right in the middle here, and that's where it should be. My pure number is 9.5. <laughs> I think it's a good number. And you might get a back door when the Bills soften up because that's what the Bills do. They soften up in the fourth quarter. So um, very, very concerned for that. This is not in Teaserville right now. Being at 9.5, you need it at 8.5 to move it down below that three. Probably a dead game. Maybe look at some props here uh, if you have an opportunity. Vikings versus Lions. Um, this is such a funny game. And it's just, I live in a bubble. And it's, I live in a bubble because the people I talk to and relate to and the podcasts I listen to are all from sharper people and sharper sports bettors. So it just blows my mind when I see somebody say, why are the Vikings dogs when they're 10-2 and two to the Lions who are 6-6 uh, six and six or whatever the heck the Lions actually are. You know, it's funny about the sports betting. You really don't <laughs> look at the records a lot when you're doing things. Uh, that's why I'm so clueless sometimes when it comes to, uh, you know, some of these records. Detroit 5-7. and seven. So you get a lot of that. And then you have to remember that the sports betting industry is growing so much that every single year you're going to get a flock of people that just don't understand this. There's going to be a lot of public money coming in on this Vikings dog. 
Here's the problem for me. I'm hoping it doesn't go to three because I have Detroit minus one. And if I get like a fat three or even a minus 115, it's positive EV, according to my numbers, to play the Vikings. So that would be unfortunate to have to side with the public. But sometimes you have to do that. The sharp money would have to take it over minus two and a half. I think the sharp money is done, at least for now. Uh, any syndicates that hit the Lions. But I will say that this total is absolutely ridiculous and we have a free play on it. Highest total in the NFL, but for a reason. Um, since week nine, the Lions have been fierce, ranking fourth in EPA per play and third in offensive success rate. And they played the Bills. It's not like they're all cupcakes there. You know, the beat up Giants team and a couple others, but still, you, you got to give them some props for that. Uh, the Vikings. Uh, not, you know, their offense overrated. The Vikings are a very overrated team, and that's why you see the Lions. But there's still 5.4 yards per play, 24 points per game. What, the Vikings will slow down when they have a lead. That's the problem. The Vikings, um, as a favorite, have, hasn't been good unless the luck factor comes in, like last week when they get out gained by over 200 yards, right? Or, or just the fact that uh, the their team they're playing is incompetent. You know, our Vikings already went over their win total of, uh, of nine. But the fortunate thing for the Lions is that they're kind of up and coming and they're eyeing the playoffs. And I wonder what they're thinking about that T.G. Hawkinson trade because now Hawkinson's on the Vikings when the Lions could probably still use him. And he's probably a little bit disrespected for that trade. So he's thinking to himself, man, I want to have a big game in Detroit. I can see that for sure. Maybe a Hawkinson prop isn't the worst thing to look at. But the, the handicap for this game is just simple. Both the Vikings and the Lions rank dead last, 31 and 32 in yards per play, giving up 6.3 in opponent yards per play for the Queens and 6.4 for the Kittens. Um, I see a shootout here again. I mean, these Lions games have been going into the 60s and 70s at home. Take the over 52.5 for two stars. Uh, I think even though it's high for an NFL standard, it's high definitely for a reason. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. Next game, and I have to go back to the odd screen here. The Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants. Eagles minus seven, total 45.5. Oh, I missed a six and a half here. Um, the Eagles kind of proved that they can stop the run against Henry. Uh, you know, they got their big draft pick back from Georgia in Jordan Davis. You know, he backs up Fletcher Cops, Javon Hargrave. They're stopping the run. <laughs> so you got to be excited for that. Um, the The Giants are still just really, really banged up. You know, I, I mean, their offensive line's in shambles. Um this is one of those situations, though, the Giants are so well coached, the back door is open. My number is actually 7.5 in this game, and maybe uh, a teaser-type situation might be something a little bit better to look at here. Uh, the Eagles are competing for the Cowboys, you know, obviously, to win the division, so they're very motivated in this game. Cleveland versus Cincinnati. Cincinnati minus six, total 47. Premium pl uh, customers has a better number on this one, so um, it's going to close to where... I kind of lean. I, I'd say I still like the Bengals at six. It goes to overtime. You're still safe there. Uh, Bengals, look, 
the Cleveland Browns had no business beating the Texans, much less being them by like 10 points or whatever and covering the spread. One offensive field goal is all they got in that game. Deshaun Watson looked terrible, and I can't imagine he fixes all his issues this week. The Bengals in a major revenge spot coming off of that nasty loss that they took last year to, uh, not last year, I'm sorry, uh, Monday Night Football, I believe it was, when they actually lost to Cleveland 32-13. to um, They are banged up that game too. Now they're healthy. This is a massive spot for that. I wouldn't mind teasing them down to zero, but I still think it's a play at minus six. Like I said, I have a much better number that I gave out to premium subscribers, but we'll give you a free play at the minus six as well for two stars on this one. Next game, Houston Texans versus Dallas. Dallas minus 16 and a half, total 45 and a half. Yeah, God, I really thought about betting Dallas in the look ahead. You have to admit though, Dallas was in that game with the Colts until the fourth quarter. They're only winning by one or two points and scored 33 points, mostly thanks to Matt Ryan. How bad are the Texans? They're freaking horrible. But um, this is a massive spread in the NFL. And you wonder if there's a little bit of disrespect there. You wonder what you can do in this situation. Maybe Lovey does rally him a little bit. I don't know. My number in this game is minus 17. <laughs> Not bettable for me. Total 45 and a half. You have no idea if any points are going to be scored by these Texans. I This is a disgusting game. Going to have to pass on it. Titans versus Jaguars. Titans minus four. Total is four, uh, 41. I find this interesting how, why this went up and why money came in on the Titans. I mean, they showed a lot of issues here with, uh, you know, their game against the Eagles. They couldn't even move the ball, really. Uh, Traylon Burks is concussed, and the way concussions have been going, you have to doubt that he's going to play the following week. They just fired, fired their GM for having A.J. Brown have his revenge and absolutely destroy them. That was well-warranted. That was a dumb trade. I was still <sighs> scratching my head. You know, it's funny. I went from being a dumb trade to a good trade, and then I was wrong about that. I'm going back to dumb trade. Um, I'm just calling myself out on that one. Um, I didn't know A.J. Brown was that damn good. He's just that top three receiver. Um, you, you got Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, him. I guess Cup. You know, cups out though. Top four receiver, let's just say. But man, um, it it really affected the Titans, in my opinion. Now, Titans are banged up too. But you know, I'm wondering where this Jaguars situation has happened, and the money moved out. I guess Trevor Lawrence um, got an MRI, but he's he came back and played the whole half. Now, swelling can happen, and things like that, and that would be a big bump uh, issue to the spread, but the the Jaguars are relatively healthy, you know, relatively. So it, it seems just a tad bit too high for me in this situation. Um, if Lawrence plays, I think this spread is too high. Next game, Baltimore versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh minus two and a half, total 37. Now, Pittsburgh getting all this love because of the Lamar Jackson industry, but you have to think to yourself, what's so different about Tyler Huntley? Well, he's not as good as Lamar, but he can be for one game. A lot of times teams get a bump for the quarterback kind of coming in. 
I didn't get a good report on Lamar Jackson. He's questionable. But um, it's usually a one to three week injury, I guess, on his PCL sprain. But who knows? (laughs) Maybe he does play. I think they're going to be completely confident with Huntley. And being that the Ravens are kind of like a slam it in your face, run first type team, I could see them winning this game outright. They're better. You know, the, the Steelers are kind of getting by with little smoke and mirrors, and I think they easily could have lost that game in Atlanta last week. So uh, the Ravens will be part of a play that I'm going to give you a little bit later. The Chiefs versus Broncos. Broncos 9.5, total 43.5. I've sniffed out the Chiefs being a little bit overrated in the marketplace, and I'm pissed that I didn't take the Bengals last week. I kind of got talked off it, and, uh, you know, that's life, I guess. You know, my admission of listening when I should just be focused on my own handicaps. But what I will say is that the Chiefs are probably in a big bounce back spot and Denver's a terrible team. Denver still has all kinds of issues, but somehow their defense is still somewhat showing up in these games, even though they're completely uh, hurt. You know, I I feel like I'm talking about Denver's injury report every single week. I mean, uh, Cortland Sutton now is questionable. KJ Hamler's on IR, you know. Jerry Jettery is playing, but I think he's kind of banged up as well. I think the Chiefs can lay it, put the number that they want on them, but Russell Wilson's also playing for his own integrity, I think. Um, his head's been his ass this whole season, as we know. So not going to be too excited to do anything in a nine-point spread. Also unteasable in this situation. Total 43.5. Another pretty good number there. The Panthers versus the Seahawks. Now, I find this one interesting how Panthers money, you know, really came in, you know, and uh, I I scratched my head a little bit. I'm like, wow, the Panthers all of a sudden get respect. Apparently, this team's playing for Steve Wilkes and, um, you know, they want him to win and very possible that he will. I think that the Seahawks are a terrible team laying points, minus four and a half. Um, they just kind of, I'm okay. I think they're kind of, we're, we're much better under the radar earlier in the season, but the Panthers coming off the bye, you got to give them a little bit of a boost for that. I wrote down my number on this. It did change. So let me see where my number is real quick on this one. It is 4.5. Okay. I'm exactly at the spread here. So I'm like, my power rings have it like minus seven and a half, but my algorithm has it definitely a lot lower, which I go by my algorithm more. The algorithm's um, around four-ish. So, yeah, it, this is probably a pretty good number in this game. Uh, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of contrarian money coming in on the Panthers. Uh, Sam Darnold, they just dropped Baker Mayfield for probably a lot of reasons. But ba- maybe they're just being nice to him and say, hey, you know, the Rams will pick you up. Or maybe the Niners would pick you up. Obviously, it happened with the Rams, but um, I, I don't see the Panthers doing a lot. I, it, it's a East Coast team going to the West Coast. Do the Seahawks want to cover? I would. I would think so. Just a uh, interesting situation here. The Seahawks probably have a bigger team on deck as well. I'm going to quick check that. Yeah, this was part of my segment on Monday. They have San Fran on deck. Yeah, not touching this game. Tampa Bay versus San Francisco 49ers. Niners are 
minus three, minus one hundred five, or sorry, minus three point five, minus one hundred five, and so you're, Tampa Bay's a little juiced at plus three and a half, and the total is at thirty seven. I'm going to give you another play here. I took this at four, and there's I, I've been arguing myself back and forth on this one, but the four is, makes me feel pretty good. Usually I give a bump that first game where they come with the backup quarterback, Brock Purdy. The team's going to rally. They know how important it is. But Tampa Bay hasn't exactly been lighting it up themselves. But if you remember my handicap last week and why I took the over in the Dolphins game, I said the 49ers have a very suspect secondary. And Tua, if he, he threw some bombs, and they had some massive big plays. They just screwed up too much by throwing picks. A little bit misleading of a final score there. Um, Tampa Bay... Their offensive line is kind of bad this year. Werfs is out, obviously. and But on the other end of the spectrum here, the San Francisco 49ers are banged up a little bit too. Nick Bolsa, I believe, is questionable. I'm going to check his uh, status. Man, those those Bosa's always just get injured. Um, hamstring, you know, so you don't know if he's going to play. They also just lost Hassan Ridgeway, you know. And what Brady did against the Saints, and this is a massive game for the Saints. They needed it so bad, and they completely choked. Massive bad beat on that Brady under 271 we had. He was at 270 with that touchdown, and then they called the 10-yard penalty, so he got more passing yards. So there you go. But uh, it's just the situation where the Tampa Bay's got Godwin, Evans, and Julio Jones. Okay, those guys against the Niners secondary, and Brady's getting the ball quick. So if he just does that all game, the Niners could get fits. Also, also got Brock Purdy, which is interesting. I, I first came to this handicap thinking I would probably find a way to bet San Fran, but it completely flipped on it. And um, even though Kyle Shanahan's going to try to hide Brock Purdy's deficiencies, this says Tampa Bay all way just based on the situation. And the metrics aren't going to line up either with this one just because uh, Tampa Bay was injured a lot, and now San Fran's got the injury. I think that my number on this is closer to a three, and I'm going to give you the exact number. I have minus 3.25, probably with a little bit of an edge to Tampa Bay. So I'm going to give you at three and a half, try to find an even three and a half for two stars on Tampa Bay, plus three and a half for two stars. You're going to need a bigger boat. All right, next game. We have the Miami Dolphins versus the LA Chargers Sunday night football. Plus three and a half, the Chargers at minus 115, total 52. How many times did I tweet this out, guys? I said, hey, Dolphins still one and a half. Two of news. Oh, it looks like you'll be fine this week. Hey, guys, Dolphins still one and a half. It sat at DraftKings for another hour, and then it went to two. I was at two for probably the rest of the day, and then the next morning slammed minus three, minus three and a half. That's how important these lines are and getting ahead of things. You know, it blew my mind that it stood at three and a half so long after that news. But, you know, this is just a simple situation here where Miami is staying on the West Coast. I love teams that stay where they're traveling, no distractions. No kids crying. You know, these are young men having babies. Um, No thinking about all of your bills and stuff like that. It's just a great situation for the team, especially coming off that nasty loss. 
you know, but now it's past the three and a half and that's where the problem kind of lies here. I mean, my number is four, but it's a lot better where I was trying to hint to everybody to grab it at the one and a half. I think the Dolphins win this game. The Chargers are overrated. The Chargers are very banged up. But at the same time, the Chargers could possibly backdoor this thing. Also, in my opinion, um, you know, I mean, Herbert's a good quarterback. What can you say? But looking at Mike Williams, he's still going to be out, I believe. And, uh, well, he's questionable. Their offensive tackle, Troy Pipkins, is now questionable. Their quarterback, Corey Lindsey, questionable. Sorry, center, Corey Lindsey. Bryce Callahan is day-to-day with a core muscle injury. Their cornerback. You know, they're just really, really banged up. So, you know, they're going to be throwing it a lot to their tight end, Gerald Everett. So remember that. And uh, they're going to be throwing it to Keenan Allen a lot. Um, Probably Joshua Palmer some, but stop Eckler and those guys and not a lot of other options for them, especially when their offensive line is so questionable for the Chargers. But the Chargers are desperate too, so my number on this one, like I said, is going to stay at the four until I learn a little bit more. If Mike Williams plays, my number will go down to three on this game, being that he's just such a beast and such a big presence and just that added weapon there will really open up their offense my next game well the next game is the patriots versus the cardinals right um we covered them all all those bye weeks took away three games the cardinals plus one and a half the total is 44 Uh, this is another game where do you want to back a patriots team that offense offensively stinks i mean mac jones looks frustrated being like the worst team in the best division of football or one of the best, right? Uh, Bills, Miami, Jets, all doing well. It's got to be frustrating. And Matt Patricia is absolutely a terrible offensive mind. I don't even know what Bill Belichick's doing over there. Cardinals coming off of a bye makes this super easy. The Cardinals are a bad team. But Jesus, man, if there's any time to rally, it's right now for them. Even though the Patriots favored at minus three, probably not touching this one but i could also see some claps you know carlos carlos now it's plus one and a half if you can find one and a half it's not a terrible teaser leg in this situation i would say uh, carlos are a good teaser leg but that brings us to our refuse to lose teaser and our refuse to lose teaser lost last week thanks to the ravens and throwing that interception in the end zone they should have won by four points not one but I'm going to go back to the Ravens. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're going to tease them from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half. I love the situation that they're in because they're still fighting for the division. I think that this low total of, what, 37 against the Steelers pretty much says it all. So there you go. Easy teaser leg for the Ravens side. And for the other side, I'm going to stick in the, uh, well, I'm actually going to move divisions to another team that, really needs a big win because they're competing with the Cowboys. I'm going to take the Eagles from minus seven to minus one. I, I like the Giants. I like what Dayball's doing, but I don't think it's quite enough to beat a strong team like the Eagles uh, coming into this game. It's an important game for the Eagles. They need to win this game. Minus one for the Eagles. And if you're going to do another teaser leg, like I said, I also like the Cardinals, but we're going to do the one I just gave you. Eagles to minus one, Baltimore to plus eight and a half for two stars.
How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? All right. Well, that brings us to a little UFC 282. I decided to do it a little earlier since it's kind of fresh in my mind. Uh, great fight, uh, John Bukovich versus Magomed Ankalaev. And what sucks, obviously, the elephant in the room, the Yuri Prokoska shoulder injury that is taking him out for at least a year might even be career ending. I would hope not. I really liked Yuri. That's a big elephant in the room. But here's the other elephant. Glover Kachera is better than both of these fighters, in my opinion. And he should have been the one fighting for the title. And it blows my mind the politics involved when a company owns a sport. But either way, we still have a great fight and a matchup. John Bukovic is a massive dog, plus 220, plus 235 at DraftKings. Magomed minus 270, minus 290 in some books. Magomed, 18 and 1. He's young, 30 years old. Jean is 39 years old, so there's a big age difference. But here's the deal. Magomed, being a Russian, people think he's a wrestler. Probably, I guess, novice people do. He's not. He's a stand-up fighter. And I'm just going to say Magomed's gotten very lucky in a lot of his fights. Very lucky. You know, uh, when he fought his last fight, which I actually thought that uh, Anthony Smith had a chance. He broke his freaking ankles in round one. I mean, <laughs> what can you do? He beat an old Tiago Santos, took all five rounds to do it. Uh, he beat Volkan Uzdemir, that's overrated, in a decision. Uh, Nikita Krylov went to decision. I'll give him that. Nikita's actually been pretty good lately. Um, so uh, that's a good win. But Jean Blakovich has fought in just a lot better fighters. Um he fought Alexander Rakic, and Rakic was injured too. So, you know, I mean, it, same situation with the Anthony Smith. Then he lost. He lost to Glover Teixeira, and that's where he lost his title in October thirtieth of two thousand twenty-one. He hurt his neck in that. He was injured in that fight himself against Glover. Maybe, and I think Glover was probably going to win that anyway. But John is a wrestler. You know, he has nine submissions and nine KOs. We haven't seen Magomed on his back much because he hasn't fighting. Bulls. I mean, Magomed hasn't fought in uh, Glover to share himself. You know, he hasn't fought in anybody that could threaten like that. And that's where I find a little bit of value in John. I think John has almost got a 50% chance of winning this fight. I think the spread should be minus 150, plus 150, minus 150, right? Well, that's why I'm going to take John because I think he's got a fighting chance here at plus 235 over on books like DraftKings, FanDuel, and any other book that you can find it. Uh, Jean Blakovich beat Izzy, beat Adesanya by wrestling. You saw that. He beat Dominic Reyes. He punched him out, actually. You know, He beat Sousa. You know, he's had his hiccups before in the past, but he beat Cannoneer, which is a great fighter back in 2017. I just think the wrestling aspect for Jean gives him a little bit of a fighting chance. Now, his age certainly doesn't. But going from plus 235, when I think the spread should be minus 150, shows value. Going to take Jean for just one star in this situation. Also, another awesome, great fight. Patty Pimblett versus Jared Gordon. But, dude, here's the problem with Patty, the baddie. I love Patty. He's a loudmouth, but he seems to do it a little bit better than uh, McGregor did. McGregor was a little too cocky. Probably like the enemy in the WWE. Patty's just a fun... Ah, you know, he talks his shit. He, he eats like a pig on his, uh, you know, his social media and 
probably cuts a lot of weight. I don't know how he does it, but he's a really good fighter. And they probably gave him another easy win here, even though it's the co-main event against Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon is plus 210, 19 and 5. But I, I mean, I look at Jared Gordon, I try to find a, a reason to back him. It just feels like everything's going to be going against him here. Gordon just had a nice win against Leonardo Santos, but he lost to Grant Dawson and got choked out. You know, that's probably how he could definitely lose this fight. And it's not like Leonardo Santos is, you know, all that great. You know, he's lost three in a row himself when he stepped up in competition. Clay Guida, he lost 2-2, just one last week. But, you know, he has split decision with Joe Selecki, uh, beat Danny Chavez, it, just a bunch of kind of no-names. He did lose to Charles, of course, got punched out in the first round. Just him getting punched out his three last losses makes me look at Patty the Batty inside the distance. But you are not going to get good value. You know, Patty has a chance to lose this fight. Everybody bets Patty. You, you, I can tell you right now it's not going to be minus 260. It's going to be like minus 300 before this fight happens. So um, just wanted to throw that out there uh, in this situation. A lot of great fights. And the last play I'm going to give you is Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Tapuria. And it, it pains me to have to bet this fight because this is maybe the best fight the whole card, to be honest with you. Bryce Mitchell is just an aggressive wrestler. Southern boy, loves America. But Ilya is also a very good wrestler, just not as good. Ilya is the better stand-up fighter, right? You know, Ilya, they're both Brazilian, jiu-jitsu. I was back in Ilya so much, beating up Jay Herbert, you know, beating up uh, Hall. But, you know, he did go the distance with Zalal. He still hasn't really stepped up in competition. I think Bryce Mitchell has fought a little bit better of competition. When he beat Edson Barbosa, just Edson didn't have a chance, couldn't even get up and breathe. He, he was so lost for breath because Bryce is just that good of a wrestler. Andre Feely is the same thing. He's going to do that to Ilya. Now, Ilya's chance is maybe to knock him out and try to keep this fight standing, but I don't know if he can. Ilya is also a very good grappler, but Mitchell is just better. I've seen Mitchell wrestle. It's such a great matchup, and I think Mitchell should be minus 120. He's plus 120 in a lot of these books. So it's a situation where I think I'm getting a little bit of value here on the dog. I, I think the wrong fighter is favorite i love Ilya, and it would not shock me at all if he wins but bryce mitchell has fought a little bit better competition and he just looks a little bit more resilient in his wrestling so when in doubt when it comes to ufc you lean towards the wrestler i also have a premium play on jargino rosenstrike versus chris Dawkins. that's going to be a great fight i have a premium on that one um I like the Driscus Duplicis fight against Darren Till. That's going to be a fun fight as well. Uh, just, just pretty good card. There's been some very sharp money on an aspect of the Billy Quarantillo fight versus Alex Hernandez. I gave that play out already. So that's a very interesting one. The Chris Curtis versus Joaquin Buckley is going to be a wonderful fight as well. So I'm very excited for that one. But... This card's going to be worth watching, in my opinion. And those are my thoughts, and those are my free plays. Uh, go get them. Now, let's get into our guest, Mr. Justin Perry from Shot 
quality bets. All right, now I have a great guest in Justin Perry from one of my favorite betting sites, ShotQualityBets.com. Justin, how the heck you doing? Hey, Kiev, thank you for having me on. It is such a pleasure to be here this afternoon talking a little bit about Shot Quality Bets and what we do over at SQ trying to quantify the game of college basketball a little bit differently than everybody else. Oh, absolutely. I love that a little bit differently. And when I introduce you guys, I say a little bit differently because the market does one thing and shot quality bets does another. So I'm excited for you to tell our listeners how that exactly works. Yeah, I'm excited to jump into it. So if you have not really heard about shot quality yet, what we do is take a peek, not necessarily at a box score to evaluate a game, but we take a look at how a shot was sort of taken. We look at the quality of a shot. We have integrated lots of different data from many different providers that include position on the court, uh, defender ability, our own rankings to really give every single shot a, a, pro- a process-based look at how it's taken, not necessarily evaluating it just on if it went in or if it missed, right? Because how many times do we sit there and we see the open three clank out or the contested mid-range jump shot go through the hoop or get a shooter's touch, right? So what can often happen is that games go based on some of this luck that is so inherently tied to college basketball, especially with the level of players. It's a little less so in NBA when you have a little bit more consistent shooting and all that, a little bit more reliable play. But in college basketball, for sure, that noise, that variance, that the the discrepancy between what maybe you can expect to happen based on the shots taken versus what actually happened on the floor can be pretty wide. And very often do we find that things don't perfectly line up. So what we try to do at shot quality is remove that, I guess, the 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 difficulty of evaluating a game based on just how many points were scored or how many of the shots went in the hoop we take a look at was this a good shot created was it a good possession did they get to a spot on the floor where they're where that specific player is good at getting the ball in the hoop. You should not be you know, giving the same credit to a big man behind the arc as you do one of the top three-point shooters in the nation. And so shot quality weighs all of that in. Uh, it gives you know, uh, a look at every single defense, how much people are closing out on shots, how much space is available on the floor. And then, of course, lots of different other metrics involved. If you want to dive into, you know, if a team is doing well necessarily on the post-ups or maybe you think that a team is doing really well off of a pick-and-roll action. We have all that type of stuff to help you sort of understand how teams are playing, formulating their offense, and then most importantly, executing it. Absolutely. And there's a defensive and offensive component to it. And what I find fascinating about shot quality is you look at sites like the Ken Palms, the Bartorvics, the efficiency sites, they do a lot of things based upon the efficiency, meaning like uh, yard, points per possession, you know, and they have their little algorithm and look at both sides of the ball. And it's almost very general. It's pretty accurate. I'm not going to um, definitely right. knock them. And that's what made Ken Palm so popular that it, it's, uh, it gives you a good picture of it. But uh, we needed a tool like Shot Quality that digs in a lot deeper, more of a matchup perspective. For example, a short team that allows a lot of stuff uh, at the rim might be a good three-point shooter, but then all of a sudden they're facing a team that just can't be stopped, a tall team inside, just based upon the efficiency metrics, 
It's not right. going to give you a great perspective on that game like shot quality would, would it? Right, and it happens all the time. You, you can see something on a Ken Palm, on a Torvik, on you know whichever one that you fancy the most. But what comes out of it is, especially in my opinion, Kiev, is that we see a lot of this recency bias, and it is a killer in betting. It is one of the hardest things to ignore because you know a team goes off or has a hot week. We have a naturally tough time in saying, okay, I should be fading them. And it's hard because the books know what they're doing. They know how to offer lines that seem like they're still doable or maybe almost color your perspective into thinking, okay, here's a big line. They should get it done. Why would the book give Arkansas a minus 20 and a half uh, you know, at home against UNCG if they can't do it? Well, what happened, right, is the UNCG played them tough inside and out. And I would probably wager money that you could dive into a little bit of that shot quality type of evaluation on these teams how they function if they have you know uh, an ability to defend three-point shot or if they're really keeping teams away from finishing at the rim or maybe that they're really good at forcing defensive turnovers against a team that has never seen that type of defensive scheme before all of that really uh, plays into how these systems of offense and defenses that these coaches have woven together really interact. And so shot quality allows you to get a little bit of a deeper, cleaner look uh, without some of the messiness and cloudiness of the random side of college basketball because it's it's almost impossible to just look at a box score and get an actual view of what happened. I mean, I was actually at the Garden last night for the Jimmy V Classic. Got to watch uh, Iowa play Duke, and that game, you know, you sit there on the floor. It, it felt like Iowa played better than the score was showing. Duke was nailing threes, uh, getting their open looks to fall, and the competition. Iowa, the Hawkeyes couldn't get that to happen. So, do you really just crucify Iowa and, and say, okay, they're no good, or do they just have a little bit of an off night? And if they performed as expected, would they have met their line? And the likelihood is yes. And shot quality said yes, too. We actually had that one coming in right at the close as a one-point win for Duke. So very interesting to consider. Wonderful example. Kind of like when Tennessee lost close to home against Colorado by eight points. People thought, you know, they could be hard to bet on Tennessee the next game. Well, they beat Florida Gulf Coast by 31 the next game. And then they beat uh, Butler by like 26 points. It's just... It, it, it is what it is. That's the way things are done, and that's how books sucker people into betting. So, gl so glad that you brought that up. Uh, it has to do with tempo, turnovers. Everything is analyzed at shot quality. One bet that I made from Sunday that agreed with my numbers was shot quality telling me to take Nebraska because the matchups with Nebraska against Creighton, who everyone loves Creighton this year, 15-point spread, said there's six points of value on taking Nebraska here. I myself saw in-state rivalry being a creative handicapper looking at a spot. I'm like, these kids are not going to lay down when they get there. Everything agreed. Nebraska won the game outright at plus 600, Justin. Yeah, I mean, that was a great example of, of what we saw with this Creighton-Nebraska team matchup and what shot quality is able to do. Uh, so what we have with shot quality is the ability to look back at the game and tell you how things should have went. And now look, Creighton probably got a little bit unlucky, right? We can see here quite easily in our luck description, Creighton was expected to score 12 more points on three-pointers. They were expected to win the game. They scored 20 points almost less than expected. But you want to know what? 
Good teams win. Great teams covered. Shot, great teams cover. Shot quality still would have expected them to get this one done against the spread. But what's really interesting, this is our post-game view. So you can diagnose a game after it's completed. You know, understand, all right, they really were expected to shoot better. Both mid-range and on three-pointers, 18 points from these jump shots that this didn't go down. So they were getting the looks that a team like Creighton normally scores more on. But let's say that you wanted to take a peek at how we said the game was going to go initially. I don't know. I have to go find it here. My apologies. <laughs> you, would, you can go check out what would happen if Creighton were to host uh, Nebraska. And you can see what our model projected it as, which is something that you can see on the value finder when it, of course, is the right day. Uh, but we did have this one coming in a little bit closer to nine. So we illustrated a nice amount of value. You maybe saw that, look, ne Nebraska's still getting to the rim and threes, the most effective shots in college basketball by what shot quality tries to convey pretty well. And their defense has been, you know, pretty consistent. The Nebraska defense is maybe a little bit sneaky right now. And we saw that, you know, that might be part of why Creighton couldn't get some of those shots to go down. Uh, and, and there's a lot of other information here. Great, some great stuff diving into, you know, how different teams maybe try to play, uh, seeing the, the frequency of, of half court sets from Nebraska versus, you know, maybe how good, Creighton is at defending them versus, I don't know, the matchup that was probably more interesting, which was the Creighton Blue Jays offense against the Nebraska defense. But a great game, really cool to evaluate it, dive into, you know, how these teams have been playing. You can check out anything you want on any of the last few years on these teams. If you like going back a bit, we have all the data, uh, talk about all their results, see games where they this one lost but should have won very easy highlighted and then of course you know if you need the the upcoming picks we can go talk a little bit about the value finder and and easily sorting into points of of play value which is always fun absolutely and i love it uh it's such a great tool to see that different perspective and i love the fact that it even showed you that creighton should have won this game but Nebraska still would have covered the spread based yes, upon <laughs> what we were looking at. That spread was monstrous. So awesome points right there. So that brings us to a couple questions. Why don't we get into uh, a couple games is what I should say, not questions. What what do you got going on for Thursday night, and how can you use this as an example of uh, maybe yeah. a play you might like or a game you just want to look at? Sure, sure. So I think one of my favorite tools on the entire site is this trend finder tool and this comes with the shot quality premium membership this is part of the package that allows you to see the shot quality scores we do have a much more accessible tier for the model if you want the projections on the games and to bet what we're betting on uh, which has been wildly successful might i add i think we're up about 75 units in the first 30 days something like a 57 percent hit rate and uh couldn't ask for a better start from the model but if you're interested in diving deeper, maybe coming up with your own plays rather than just you know, tailing what the model uh, projects, which is sometimes nice. Look, I like the convenience, but let's say we wanted to take a look at a, a really interesting matchup. We have Iowa who's going to be playing this, I guess, rebound game against a massive rival uh, in Iowa State coming up. You can enter Iowa into the trend finder and very quickly see how they've done so far this season. Six and two. Uh, on the money line, five and three against the spread. But if you can see here, it's a little jarring. Shock quality scores would have them at two and six. So they 
you know, with, with that one and a half last night, though, they should have covered the, the spread with Duke. So that was a, a potential shot quality win. But you can very easily just scroll through the data here and see which games we projected to be a shot quality win on the spread or a loss on the spread and then what actually happened. So they, you know, maybe should not have been able to cover this Bethune-Cookman game by 28 and a half. It was a little bit tighter than it might have looked or maybe you should evaluate that bet. And then, of course, it's all the same for the totals as well. Now, what I'm definitely seeing is a spot for Iowa State. I'm actually a big Iowa State fan. I'm a huge fan of the transfer in from the Bonnies of Suniyi has been absolutely dominant. And we're seeing that presence on these totals. One in seven. Who? Seven under hits on eight games is pretty nice, but the shot quality ATS is what I'm a little bit more interested in. We can take a look. They haven't actually played the true away game um, yet, but you know this is still going to be a, a tough environment. I think that the under here is another good one to look at. Uh, we are seeing maybe some regression due for an over, but with how Iowa's been playing, and I think that honestly seeing them last night, they might be okay playing a a slower pace here uh, iowa state's done really nicely at home of course so going on the road maybe a little worrisome for the spread but i don't know i, I kind of like the under on this one uh personally um and and there's there's some other good stuff on this game for sure i think you might want to take the points too i don't know if you have any feelings on this kiev but uh this is gonna be a great matchup on honestly a pretty small thursday slate yeah, very small Thursday slate. You know, Iowa can definitely turn the defense up if needed. Um, as we know, they're a very fast-paced team. And Iowa State did get them last year. I was on Iowa State last year, and uh, I had five and a half points to give, and they won outright by a lot. There was This matchup seems to kind of go back and forth when they play each other, if you've watched over the years, being the Big Ten fan that I am, uh, you know, I follow that kind of stuff. And yes, Osuniyi was a fantastic transfer from yeah. the Bonnies from St. Bonaventure there. Totally agree with that. Um, it's, the lines are just coming out for this. And I project, uh, I, I project the lines going to be about five and a half, six. Is that what uh, is kind of coming in? Yeah, I saw six and a half up on FanDuel right before we started recording. Um, it looks pretty accurate, right? We have this about, 7.7.3 as you're seeing here on the stream from shot quality projected 76.7 to 69.4 gonna be very interesting i mean a combined over under record for these teams of three and 13 is is pretty eye-popping especially with iowa being billed as this very high-powered offense i think maybe we're getting a little bit too much respect for them and we can actually pop over to the value finder and take a peek at what uh, shot qualities totals uh, have for this game. I know that the totals have been impressively popular. Uh, we actually have an over. So interesting. I don't know. Maybe maybe people are respecting the Iowa State too, defense too much. It's Look, we, we know when we gamble, there's a million and one different informational points to take into account, and, and nobody rushes to the counter with a pick. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't really work. you got to be very calculated. You have to really take everything into account. Uh, I personally want to get a little bit more uh, data on this game, maybe dive into how these two teams have fared in recent 
games against similar profile teams. I don't know if you do that a lot, Kiev. I like some of the uh, the sites out there that let you sort of compare teams. And, and Shot Quality does that too, if you sort of look at the rankings that we have and how teams have fared against our own internal rankings is a very interesting way uh, that I think you can sort of look at things. So uh, let's say you wanted to take a peek at you know, Iowa this year, six and two. Very interesting. They commit the fewest offensive turnovers in the nation, uh, which is impressive and, and probably a good reason to back them. But, you know, you can sort of take a look at how the opponents they've been playing have been stacking up, right? And so Iowa State, I believe, is actually rated pretty well on shot quality right now. Um, in 2023, we have them 17th overall, the best defense in terms of shot quality allowed in the country so what you said again, right there is amazing because yeah. you're getting the team for iowa that out of 363 teams has the number one uh t- turnover percentage on offense they don't mm-hmm. turn the ball going against iowa state who has the number one turnover percentage yeah. on defense yeah Something no like- this is a great point yep 30 percent. It. yeah it's 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 so fun to watch that which one is real which one is sustainable these aren't just steals right. either these are also you know shot clock violations um you know just uh offensive fouls and things like that that cause turnovers so keep that in mind in this situation i'm just going to be honest i don't like giving leans until i dive deeper into a game so i'm not going yeah. to either but i'm very fascinated to see where this comes out and uh this one for me for me is the points i'm gonna be taking the points that's my play i think i have a a little bit of work to do before i make a position on the total but for me the points seem like it's the right way to go Uh, especially if we see this iowa state team continue to do what we know they can which is again very well quantified here they are efficient in transition because they get a lot of of good quality steals and turnovers they run well they have the big men inside to finish um you know they they are doing a good job at defending shots at the rim which is (laughs) almost the most important part yeah that's that's, very true it sets up your whole defense, right? If, if teams can't get to the rim effectively, it harms their spacing. It means that they can't open up three-point shooters. It means that teams have to, you know, or that teams to try to find that shot and the defense can sort of get a little closer to those shooters if they know they can limit them at the rim. I'm excited for this one. I think seeing Chris Murray against Osunye is going to be a good matchup. Uh, Iowa's a big team, but I do think Iowa State's going to come to play. And you're getting more than two possessions on this. So I I definitely like grabbing it a little bit early. I wouldn't be surprised to see this close at five and a half. You know, in Iowa, they can be rolling when Kirk Ferentz is rolling with this team, but I just don't see how they keep replacing the talent that they lose every every single year. Real quick... Rutgers, Ohio State tomorrow. I'm excited for this one because I want to fade the hell out of Rutgers after beating Indiana at home. Indiana had a terrible game. I'm guessing the shot quality score on it wasn't nearly as much as the uh, 15 points that uh, Rutgers beat them by. I know Rutgers plays good defense. I like Clifford Omer Yuri. I didn't completely handicap the game, but I need an excuse to bet Ohio State because I'm kind of thinking that until I get into the uh, dirty of the numbers. Right. So, I mean, as you're seeing here on the value finder, uh, this is a really interesting play here for shot quality on the under. 
I love shock quality unders. I'll just say that out loud. They have been our most, <laughs> they've been our most profitable split. Um, I think right now, you know, they've accounted for something about 30, 40% of the, of the profit have been on unders. And it's really interesting because you can wait on unders, right? You can right. wait on unders because more times than not games get bet towards overs. Uh, you usually want to wait. Uh, you usually want to play the overs early. You want to get those overnight overs because people tend to bet games up more than not. Uh, we've seen much more closing line value on our overs this season than anything else because they just climb overnight and we bet overnight. Uh, but you can see the spread here projected for shot quality at three um, and the consensus is six. I mean, this is a tough one for me. I'll tell you why. I love, I love taking this Ohio State team at home, man. They are dominant at home. They have been so nice in these home games, and we can go take a look at what those games have been like here in 2023. Uh, again, they St. Francis PA, they, they put on a show almost 40 points, shot quality score, even that above 23, 24 points, which is pretty big. Duke, a tough challenge, but on an away game. And those three home games to open the season, just easy, easy covers, all three, almost 40 against Robert Morris, uh, almost 30. 25 plus against Charleston Southern and then Eastern Illinois. They took them as well. I mean, I got, that game was actually supposed to be really close. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Shock quality projected Eastern Illinois to hang with Ohio State. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I tend to think that Ohio State gets it done at home. But Rutgers is going to give them a bit of a run for their money. As you're seeing here in this matchup. Uh, prediction the rim and three shot quality points per game for the Rutgers offense is really strong. It means when they're taking high value shots, they do them effectively. Uh, they have a pretty good free throw rate. The shot selection is pretty good. Their shot making is weak, which means that like they should be shooting even better. They're not making the good shots they're taking. So agreed. there might be agreed positive I, regression. Maybe maybe so. And so I see that they're only ranked uh, in the two hundreds in their three point uh -huh. percentage. And what what worries me about that is that they had most of their games at home only right. one neutral and one away and they drop those so this is kind of the Jekyll and Hyde that I look for as a creative handicapper also looking at metrics when it comes to home away I think those uh situations are important uh to look at as well I mean what a big win against Indiana though uh, I mean yeah. that is yeah <laughs> that's crazy and that's <laughs> That's so tough to handicap afterwards, right? Because you're like, where? And again, you can see shot quality only giving it an eight-point win at home for Rutgers. But that Indiana team is is pretty highly regarded. And you can see what it did for Rutgers this year in our rankings. I mean, we're putting them at sixth. I don't know if I personally would put Rutgers as a top six school in the nation right now, but that type of performance and how they've been able to limit teams both on offense and also run it up on defense. Like you're seeing some of these scores down here and 89 to 69 and 83 to 56 on shot quality on 90 to 60, like this type of discrepancy and difference that they're able to sort of generate against their opponents is what you're seeing reflected on shot quality. They allow much, much worse looks than they take themselves. And that's the key to basketball. Make it harder for your opponent to score on average than it is for yourself. And then over time, you should win. You should create a lead. You should extend it. Like that's that's it, right? Get better shots than the next guy. Get better shots than the guys in the other color. Um, you know, it's it's gonna be a really interesting game here. We can see that some of the uh 
what Rutgers is able to do is pretty high quality. The cutters, the finishing at the rim is really interesting. The defense against the finishing at the rim is really interesting. And you're seeing that they're so good at it that people go against them in in the frequency at 36%, which is in the bottom 300 at frequency. So nobody's even going at them at the rim. That's Clifford Omayuri right there, buddy. That's why they're not going after him For real. At, yeah. the, at the rim. And I think that yeah. is, uh, I mean, some fantastic points and just fantastic ways of being able to break down a game, looking at the internal specs, just like you showed us. Real quick, before yeah. we go, I believe you guys keep track of your shot quality ATS oh, plays. What is what are those records? So we do the ATS and we do the spread picks. We just actually uh, posted about it today, so I, I know them offhand. And, and look, there's there's definitely some difficulty with with what happens with a model. And I always try to preface it with like. We are a resource at the end of the day. We do not really look at our model as, okay, you should be betting every single pick every single day. There are people who do it. I, I, I respect them a lot, but there are 1,170 plays so far this season that the shot quality model <laughs> has had four points or more of an edge on this season, right? And on those 1,170 plays, the model is 639 511 and 21, 54.6% up about 76 units. Um, now, look, if that's not your style, if you don't want to sprinkle a little bit on every single play, uh, it's, it's okay. We do have a pretty solid correlation with our best rated plays. Uh, last year, they accounted when you got past eight points of edge, our plays accounted for 62 of our 86 units won in the entire season last year. This year, a little bit different so far to start. The eight plus points of value plays are 161, 122, and four. So about 26, 27 units of value. And again, that's a lot less. So, you know, that's that's about 300 plays in, in four weeks. So you're betting about seven, eight, nine plays a day, maybe a little bit more rather than, you know, trying to put down 30 or 35 a day. I mean, we've had days where, you know, some of those Saturdays we could have 70 plays. But the, the thing that's really cool is that it's a very good like double check, a very good uh, eye test. And even if you just want to sort of sit back and, and cash some bets and enjoy some wins, you can go play those eight point picks and have like four or five, six a day that you can feel very confident in winning at, you know, above that 55, 56 percent clip that we're all looking for. That is so true. Man, I cannot wait to dig into tomorrow's games already on shot quality bets, my man. You can also get 20% off the premium package by using the promo code ODDS23 to yep. get the great deals that Shot Quality bets, but the pros and some coaches use over at Shot Quality. Justin, where could our listeners follow your great information? Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you again for having me on the show. If you want to give me a follow, it is Justin Perry eight last name is spelled P E R R I and the number eight on Twitter. Uh, you'll see my handsome mug there and look, Follow Shot Quality Bets on Twitter. Also, if you're interested a little bit more in like the coaching side of it, we offer 
coaches this content and this data as well. And that's kind of how we got started, right? Like shot quality came up as a coaching analytics business. We have 50 plus clients in division one right now using the same data that we have now made available for college basketball betters. So, you know, we get teams, we get teams, more wins, we get betters, more wins. It's some of the best data in college basketball, hands down. I love being a part of this team. Give us a follow, check out the website, shotqualitybets.com. You definitely won't be disappointed. Uh, you know, it's, it's more wins, baby. It's a good time. <laughs> Basketball's rolling. Make sure you check out Justin and shotqualitybets.com. Now it is time for the sharp side of the force. The sharp side of the force is brought to you by betfredsports.com. For 250 bucks worth of free bets, please visit Betfred. Use the promo code ODDS23, terms, conditions, and location apply. All right. Sharp College, I mean, obviously these bulls are still a week and a half away, but I do want to quick cover some of the major moves that has happened. Uh, there's some sharp money coming in on Navy, first of all, this weekend. Uh, 43% of the tickets and 96% of the money from Pick'em. Well, actually from plus one and a half to minus two and a half, so keep that in mind. You also had some pretty big movement on Oregon State, minus 7.5 to minus 10.5 with the Richardson News, 86% of the tickets, 96% of the money. A little bit of sharp money on Marshall, 9.5 to 10, 90% of the tickets, 99% of the money. Then you have some sharp money on Kansas, plus 4.5 to plus 3.5, 74% of the tickets, 96% of the money. Kind of like the over in that one. other big movements you had uh, UCLA minus three and a half to minus seven, 66% of the tickets and 66% of the money. There's actually buyback uh, coming back on Pittsburgh here, which I kind of agree with sharp money on Fresno state uh, plus four and a half down to plus one, 72% of the tickets, 95% of the money. This one's kind of back and forth. There's some, uh, Pickums and plus ones and minus ones on this one. Looks like a little bit of money's coming in on Wake Forest as well, not a ton. Let's move on to the sharp totals. That's where some of the big movements have actually happened. Uh, under 34.5 on the Army Navy game to 32, 85% of the tickets, 99% of the money. I disagree with that. I don't go by trends when. Nine of the games out of 16 would have went over this number itself. So, you know, keep that in mind. There's some pretty bad defenses when it comes to the uh, Army-Navy game this year compared to other years. Also, in my opinion, obviously the Wisconsin, uh, from 51 to 43 and a half, this is getting to the territory when I'm like, that's my number, 43 and a half. I hope it goes lower. I might have to buy back a little bit on that premium play that we gave out. And Penn State, over was uh, 49 now it's all the way up to 52 based upon the holdouts doesn't show the money denomination on that one let's move on to the nfl then nfl week 14 sharp money sharp money on the raiders minus four to minus six at the rams 73 percent of the tickets and 91 percent of the money sharp mind the lions plus two and a half to minus two and a half hosting the vikings 45 percent of the tickets and 95 percent of the money one thing i will say about the vikings is even though their numbers look terrible when you play like a prevent cover two type defense, you tighten up when it comes to the goal line. So they they do allow a lot more yards than you know what they should get credit for because they 
did show some good red zone last week. Now, the red zone only ranks 23rd, so it's not like they're still frauds. Don't get me wrong. But I will say the Vikings are getting it done just by, uh, you know, not letting the big play over the top. Dolphins minus one to minus three at the Chargers. 69% of the tickets and 82% of the money. Sharp totals. Texans versus Cowboys under 48 to 45.5. 49% of the tickets and 96% of the money. Sharp minus. Vikings versus Lions over. 51 to 53, 50% of the tickets, 70% of the money. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this massive show. I know we had a ton of information. I hope you got something from my thoughts on bowl motivation. I know I'm going to be wrong about some stuff, but I did the best that I possibly could. Uh, if you have any questions for our Monday mailbag, please tweet us at the odds breakers and or in, email us at info at the oddsbreakers.com. I'd love to cover it on this show. Also, if you are a listener to the show and you like the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you use to uh, listen to this podcast. It really, really helps us in our rankings, so I would appreciate if you could do that for me. I hope you guys have a very safe and successful weekend. Enjoy all the games, enjoy the fights, and go get some winners.